Hey y'all, I'm Allie Spears, and this is Ag Chicks, where we dig deep with the women who are helping to feed the world. Today's episode is sponsored by Farm Tea Company. Farm Tea Company has apparel for all 50 states and is focused on American farmers, ranchers, and the agricultural community as a whole. Farm Tea Company shows pride in where you farm, how you farm, and why you farm. Check them out at www.farmteaco.com or at Farm Tea Co. on social media. Today, I'm super excited to sit down with Kinsey. Um, Kinsey and I had kind of known each other, I guess, through social media, and then we finally met in person um, in December, which that feels like a long time ago now. Um, mm-hmm. But she hosted a styled shoot in Vegas, and it was so much fun, but that's how we kind of got to meet in person. But Kinsey, I'm going to let you kind of tell us a little bit about yourself, and then we will kind of go from there. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be on here. Um, Listen to a few of your episodes. So it's a lot of fun now to kind of be on the other end of this. Um, Gosh, where do I start? Okay. So I'm Kenzie. Um, I run Bonafide Cowboy. I'm a photographer and kind of getting in the education side of things too. So um, we can chat about that more later, but Um, I am a Western brand photographer, and I wasn't always that. Um, I grew up in Steamboat Springs, Colorado. It's a ski town for any of you guys that have ever been there. It's really pretty, really cool. Um, But yeah, that was where I grew up. Um, My parents actually weren't really into ag. Um, I definitely kind of got into it in an accidental sort of way. Um, We ended up, my parents ended up buying a ranch a 60 acre ranch when I was like four we ended up moving out there we had the space someone gave us a free horse um I say free because you know nothing's ever free when it comes to horses exactly (laughs) um and that obviously started very expensive like hobby into career (laughs) later so um yeah but they they weren't in it my dad ran his own construction company um he did uh concrete foundations, uh, sidewalks, build houses. I mean, luxury homes was kind of his specialty. And so he did that um, all while I was growing up. My mom did all of his financial stuff. She was kind of a stay-at-home mom. I mean, she she worked for him um, for a lot of years. And then actually, once I went to college, she became a realtor. Um, so yeah, that's kind of, they weren't really into ag, but man, they supported me. Um, I got into horses and that was, uh, they, they went and found me programs. So I ended up getting involved in 4-H. Um, and then we also had a club called Pony Club, which was more the English side of things. Um, I hopped into that and that was my introduction to um, really the ag industry. And so I, I mean, I fell in love with horses. I, like every little girl out there, I loved horses. Um, and so I wanted to learn anything and everything about them. Um, it was actually like the one sport I could really do. And I did fairly well. Um, I was one artistic more than I was athletic. So, I mean, (laughs) first of all, that was, I was not an athlete. Second of all, um, I actually have an autoimmune disease and it affected me a lot as a child. And so as a kid, I was, you know, I was in and out of a lot of doctor's offices, but writing for whatever sort was the one thing that never really bothered me. So I stuck with that. Um, So kind of to speed things up, I went into, um, into high school. I really was interested in raining um, and I wanted to learn, but we, we lived in a small town. We didn't really have any raining trainers, but we had a rained cow horse trainer. Okay. My mom told me about him. And at first I was like, I don't want to do that. I'm not interested in that. And then um, she's like, well, give it a chance. And so she took me out there and I started just interning. I mean, I was, it was before I could drive, my mom would drop me off out there um, with my horse, go to work. And then she'd come back and pick me up at the end of the day. And I just learned, you know, I, I'd sit through his clinics. I sat through his lessons. I watched him train. I caught horses. I turned horses out. I saddled, unsaddled, and I just started at the bottom and I worked my way up. And so I worked for him for about seven years. And I, I went from just kind of briefly learning to, uh, you know, the basics to being kind of a part of, um, like a ranch hand and, mm-hmm. and learning how to doctor cattle and do that kind of stuff to, um, getting to actually learn 
the horse training side of things. And so by the time I was done, I was kind of as assistant trainer, I was helping them a ton. And it was such a cool aspect of my life. Um, actually, it just was my life. That was what I was doing. And so, you know, instead of going to school to learn how to train horses, I was getting to learn how to do that and getting paid to do it, which yes. is super cool. Awesome. Um, got to got paid to learn basically, which I love. So I did that in high school and a little bit through college. Um, I was showing at the time too. So I showed in um, ranch versatility and then rank cow horse. And I loved it. I loved every aspect. So for a long time, I thought I was going to be a horse trainer um, to kind of go through that. I learned by working for a horse trainer that I didn't really want to train horses full time. Um, I didn't love taking in the outside horses that were kind of, I call them junkers. Sounds horrible, but it is. I get it. I get it. (laughs) I was spoiled getting to ride really nice, fancy horses. I enjoyed that part and I enjoyed taking these colts and finishing them. Yeah. So I really loved that aspect. So I'd take these two and three-year-olds, finish them out, sell them, um, and do it over again. I loved the learning process with that. So that's what I did throughout college while I was going to school at the University of Wyoming. Um, I was pursuing a degree. I got my bachelor's of science in agricultural communications, um, and I had a minors in farm and ranch management and then public relations. So um, it was a lot of fun. I I loved college. I loved the University of Wyoming. Go Pokes. Uh, (laughs) And ultimately, I still... Going through all that, I still really had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, I knew I wanted to be in the ag industry. Um, I had done rodeo queening and stuff in in, um, college. Um, Actually, Anna, friend Uh of your previous guest, she was my freshman year roommate. I know. I love that. (laughs) So we were, uh, we have very similar degrees. Um, She got hers done a lot faster than (laughs) I did. But yeah, uh, that's. That's kind of like my intro to college. I was still showing horses, still training them on the side of things. Um, And at the same time is when I started picking up graphic um, design and web design. And I was doing that in college to kind of help pay my bills Uh to get through college. And, um, And that was a lot of fun learning how to do it. And I thought it was just a skill that I needed in my degree. I had very basic introductory classes uh, at the university, but it never went further. So I used YouTube and all sorts of things to basically learn how to do it. And I took on clients for very cheap and helped them create logos. And looking back on it, I was all self-taught. I, it, it was very messy. I probably would not advertise myself like I did then, but it's fine. Um, it was a learning process and people liked what I produced. So I'll, I'll take it. Um, And then after college, I really, I I ended up kind of starting my own business on the side of things while I was also looking for my full-time career job, like I, like I thought I would need. Um, And so actually it was, I did an internship at the college national finals rodeo and um, Susan Cano does all of their media and she does media for lots of other rodeos, you know, NFR, Cody Rodeo, National Western, And um, I had met her through a different internship at National Western, and she was a great mentor for me um, in this industry. And so she does a lot of their public relations, writing press releases, um, getting media interviews and doing all that. And so I really loved that aspect. So I worked in the rodeo field a lot um, right off the bat. And um, I'm trying to keep this really short for you. No, yeah, you're good. Yeah. A long history shoved into like a few minutes, but I know. um, And I, working at this college finals, though, there was a bunch of new athletes out there. And I was noticing that these new athletes didn't know how to market themselves. They didn't know how to reach out to sponsors. They didn't know how to interact with them. They didn't know how to ask for money to go rodeo. Yeah. I was like, well, I know how to do that. Like, I, I know how to market myself. I know how to do these things. Why don't I help rodeo athletes? And so it was great. Um, I started out at first doing graphic and web design for rodeo athletes. Um, and okay. ultimately I was doing it through a sponsorship, kind of a, um, a, a sponsorship agreement, sort of a thing of, I would help them with that stuff. And then in return, they'd wear my patch. Oh, um, I gotcha. I and they ended up 
the rodeo athletes ended up not really being my clientele as much as their friends and family. And so I still built the word of mouth side of my business, which was great. Um, but I wasn't getting to work with rodeo athletes as much as I was their friends and family, small businesses, Uh which was fine. It kind of paid the bills here and there. Um, I was still doing a few like autograph sheet designs and, um, and it was a great experience. And at the time, actually, I had started my own podcast. I was doing the same thing. It was called Endorsed. You could actually still look it up. Um, Clay Berry is now the host of it. I handed over the reins to her. Um, and it was basically, we were interviewing rodeo athletes and sponsors and stuff and talking about the industry and how um, marketing yourself is important and how working with sponsors is important and different things like that. Um, I loved that aspect of my life, but as I got older, once I got my big kid job, I I ended up not being as involved in rodeo and I wasn't able to keep up yeah. with what was going on. And uh-huh. so that was when I moved to Laramie a few years ago to move back, I ended up transferring that podcast over. I kind of shut down my graphic and web design business. Just a lot of it, I was burnout. Um, and a lot of that came from my corporate job. Um, so I worked for a large nonprofit, um, and it was a stock show and I loved the, um, I loved the experience of it. I loved the people that I worked with. I loved, um, my, I I was their equine programs and communications director. I loved that asset. My, I mean, that facet of my job, I loved being a part of it and, Um, but I was thrown into it six months before the event. So I didn't have a ton of preparation. I'd never seen their event before. It didn't run like the ones that I had been to. Um, and ultimately at the end of the day, I was kind of the new kid on the block. And so when things went wrong, I got thrown under the bus and not to take, you know, that was a great learning experience for me, but when I was all said and done with it, I ended up quitting. And so after that was probably the end of, um, I was out of college. It was the end of like 2019 that I quit going into 2020, the start of the pandemic. And, um, I was bartending to pay my rent. I started the photography side of my business to help with the website design part because I needed photos, Uh Um, but ultimately loved the photography more. So I wanted to start growing that. And so, um, I went to something like bartending to basically like gets me out of the house, right. gets me talking to people. Um, but it was something I, I like to say brainless, like you're communicating with people and you have to use your brain to make drinks, but you're not like, creatively <laughs> putting everything into it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, for me, I, I use that to fill my time while I started building this business. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters. And What do I even say other than, hey? (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Ultimately, moved back to Laramie for a while um, in 2020. It put me closer to family. It put me closer to um, my boyfriend at the time, which is now my fiancé, and that was kind of the end of that. And I really dove into my photography business. So when I moved back to Laramie, I bartended there because I figured I can bartend anywhere. Um, And I really started focusing on the growth of my photography business. And so that's kind of what got me into last year, building up this business and focusing in on what I wanted to do and getting more of um, aligned with my goals. And so that's kind of where we're at today. So that's where um, we are. I'll shorten, I'll shorten that for you. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) No, that was, that was perfect. I think that's so important to kind of give an overview because, um, like many of the people I've had on here and especially you, there's so much going on that people don't understand, don't know about. So kind of getting like the big broad picture real quick is helpful as, especially as we're going to kind of continue to talk, but, um, and also kind of maybe connect to somebody who wouldn't connect maybe with the photography, but maybe connect with kind of the rodeo background or something like that. So thank you for sharing all of that. Thanks. (laughs) Um, So for you, you mentioned something about kind of when you finished school, you liked the rodeo thing, but you didn't know like what you wanted to do. Um, Something that you you knew you want to be an ag, but didn't know like what that perfect 
thing was. And I think that's really interesting because that's definitely something that I also kind of went through as far as like, I know I need to get a job, but I don't really know what job I want to get. Like got to pay the bills, but like the dream title didn't really exist. So can you kind of talk us through a little bit how, I mean, you did a little bit as far as the, the rodeo side and then the graphic design and all that, but in terms of building your current brand, how did you realize like, this is what I want to do? Yeah. Um, no, that's a great question. And I love that. And you're, I mean, you're right. Like I graduated college. Um, I did it in four years. Mm-hmm. Um, you think that four years would give you enough time to figure your life out. And really not. <laughs> um, and I, I loved college, but I will tell you, could I have done what I'm doing today without it? Yes. yes. Now I think it would have been harder because I wouldn't have the network that I've built today. Um, and so really, I guess we'll, we'll throw it back to college. Um, I got out, I, uh, had friends that had careers and jobs lined out out of college. And here I was very much still lost. Uh And so (laughs) I, that, that was a very defeated aspect. I've always been a pretty outgoing, a pretty like, um, you know, I had the good grades. I I had my life together. I always felt like I had vision and direction and passion. And I was, I was, I was a great interviewer, um, you know, and all the things, yeah, all the things. Right. And so I was actually pretty determined when I graduated from, um, UW to move to Texas because I was done with the cold (laughs) and I just had this vision that it's like, Texas is all things cowboy ag it's where all those businesses are, have headquarters. I'm going to move down there and I'm going to find my, and start my career down there. And, um, so that's what I ended up doing actually. And I was lucky enough that I had the connections that I had. I was actually going to move in with, um, Susan, who was, um, my, you know, she had kind of mentored me Uh a bit. She was doing this rodeo PR stuff and she was going to let me live with her um, until I found a place to live and a job and figure out where I was going. And so I moved to, or I was originally going to go to, um, she lives in Paradise, Texas. It's okay. right there over by Weatherford. Yep. And so that was originally my, what was lined out. And she had a spot for a couple of my horses. She was going to let me bring my dogs. It was all great. She was gone for the summer. So she's like, yeah, go live in my house. So that was my original plan. And then it ended up being that she had a friend that was a barrel racer at the time that needed her house taken care of um, while she was gone rodeoing for the summer. And so she hooked me up with her and I ended up moving to her place actually there in Weatherford, um, took my horses and everything. And I care took her house for free or well, and got to live there rent free. Right, 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 right. Um, so I was feeding horses, feeding the few cows that she had and I was job hunting. So I went to all the interviews and shoot, I was getting flown to interviews. I mean, I had interviewed at NRS. I had interviewed for the PBR. I had interviewed at all of these different places and they all seemed like my dream career. Right. And I was like, yeah, I could see myself doing that. Um, I interviewed at Texas A&M. Um, I, I interviewed at all these places and what immediately, what sucked the most for me was when I would get feedback it was never like, Hey, you can work on this or Hey, you can work on this. It was always, you're a great candidate. You, like you were one of the top choices, but we just went with the other guy. Yeah. You know, like yes. that's like, like the worst thing. Like, okay, but why, yeah. why, <laughs> why? And it, yeah. And that was where I was at. I was like, okay. So, so okay. now what? Yeah. Okay. So I'll move on. We're going to reevaluate. And I'm the type that, you know, I, I think of something and I start dreaming about it and I get it all up in my head. And then it's like, when I have to reset, it takes me a moment to reset. And I was kind of like, okay, we'll do this again. And so I did that process so many times. I thought I had found my dream career so many times. I thought I wanted to work more in social media. Looking back, I'm really glad I didn't because I hate social media. I mean, like, I have to use it, but um, I know the, one of those evils uh, to an end point type thing. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, I've hated that. And so it, that was hard. And ultimately actually when the summer was up and um, the barrel racer was moving back to her home, I still didn't have a job. 
Um, I had been offered stuff at like a vet clinic to be like a vet tech and stuff like that. And I was just so determined and looking back, I should have just taken it and made the money. Mm -hmm. But, um, but I was so determined to get that dream career that I wanted. Um, And now, and then afterwards I moved back to Colorado for a hot minute. And then I got a call and I moved up actually to Montana for this job that I had up in Montana, working for the stock show that I ultimately thought was my dream job, loved what I was doing. Seemed like everything was great. Everybody was happy for me. Everybody was excited for me. I went through all of it. Um, and it didn't end the best. I mean, I tried to leave it on the best note that I could, but I felt pretty defeated at the end of it. And um, my parents had actually moved to Arizona um, during that time. And so after I quit my job, I took um, a couple of weeks and I I drove down to Arizona and I, well, not even a couple of weeks, it was like all throughout the holidays. And I just took a break and I reset. I had lost the drive. I had lost the passion. I had lost any sort of framework I thought I had built for my life. And I was just, I felt so defeated. And so that was really hard. Um, and a lot of it was, is the people that were, that I was working with just weren't authentic. They weren't being true to themselves. They weren't being true to me, you know, and they, and I am so fine taking ownership of my stuff. And there were so many things I learned that I could have done better, but ultimately when it came down to it, it was just a, let's just throw you under the bus. Cause you're the new guy. We know that we didn't set you up for success, but it's fine. Yeah. Like after that, I, I just, I hated that that, that, that happens so much. And I've seen it happen to other friends and other people in this industry. And, and, you know, um, I listened to your podcast with, um, uh, Acolis Boots, uh, Oh yes. Linda, yeah, Linda. And she said the same thing, like women in this industry are so tough, like yeah. so tough on each other. And I just, I hated that. I, I think that, you know, we're in this together. We, um, I, grew up, you know, as a horse trainer or or getting into the horse training industry, I never got the respect that my male counterparts were getting, Mm -hmm. um, unless I proved it. Right. And, um, and I saw that in a lot of times and, you know, I wasn't, I'm not complaining about that. It's just, that was just the case. It's like, so we need to be out here helping each other doing this stuff. And so ultimately when I, I didn't know it then, but looking back at it, it's what started the bonafide cowboy brand. So, um, I was actually doing my photography under another business. It was, um, Castilla, Castilla cowgirl. And it was a cool name to me on paper. Cause it looked cute. Um, it was named after the Latin root for, um, Indian paintbrush flowers, which I loved. They were in all the States that I was around, but ultimately I noticed that people weren't saying my name because they didn't know how to. Yes. Um, and people were also thinking that I had a different uh, cultural heritage than I did because did. of the name. Yes, <laughs> it makes sense. It was very confusing to people. Um, <laughs> so the Bonafide Cowboy brand was built out of a necessity for a name change, but also the fact that Bonafide, I was trying to think of a way to incorporate authentic into my name. Yeah. That was what I wanted to build a brand on was authenticity. I wanted what you get to be, you know, you get to feel like the whole process is very authentic, you know, from the equipment we put on the horses or to the, either the clothes we're putting on the models or, um, the type of service that you're getting, like, you just know what you're getting. It is authentic. This is us we're friendly. We'll say things how they are. I mean, um, you know, I can be black and white and pretty blunt if I need to be, but ultimately like I want to give an authentic experience. Um, and then I wanted to use, I use the term cowboy actually, because I see cowboy, um, encompasses not only cowboys, but cowgirls, Uh cowgirl did not go both ways. It just didn't. Um, but cowboy did for me. And so, that was where the bonafide cowboy brand stemmed from. And that ultimately looking back, I'm glad that I made that change because that has been, um, kind of a, a like, has a, it been like a turning point almost for your business too? Yeah, it definitely did. And not only with the name change, but you know, I changed a lot of what I was doing. Um, I wasn't making a whole lot of money because I was charging what other industry photographers were charging. And ultimately I couldn't afford to do that. And actually those photographers can't afford to do that either. I just didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that they weren't paying their bills to me. They looked 
great on paper, but ultimately like photography is this industry that just hasn't been taken seriously for a long time. Or like the part of it that is taken Uh seriously is uh, weddings. Or if you do work on the commercial end in like maybe Hollywood or in New York or in these higher upper end areas, but like around where I was at in Laramie, Wyoming, like, you know, anybody could pick up a camera and call themselves a photographer, right? which is fine. I just wasn't making any money doing that. And um, I actually took a free pricing class at the beginning of last year that was from um, Corinda Kinsler, and she is an amazing equine photographer. And this lady is making upwards of five to 10 grand on one shoot in horse photos, yeah, like equine portraits. And I'm sitting there going, how? Yeah. How? Yeah. How? It's how? such a niche market. And yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I'm like, that's a small niche market. I hadn't seen anybody doing what I was doing. And I was like, how, how is she doing this? And so I took her free pricing guide and she made a really good point. And she was like, you know, like. Today's episode is sponsored by Muddies. As a small business and farmers themselves, They place an emphasis on providing quality workwear that will remain durable when tested on your own operation. Muddy's is Canadian-owned and manufactured, and they focus on taking their workwear to the next level for today's farmers and ranchers. To find out more or shop their line, visit www.muddies.com or check out the link in the description. First of all, did you price yourself off to other people? And I was like, yes. Yeah. She's like, do you, do you know if they're successful in that? Like, do you know what their financial situation is? Do you know if they're doing this full time? And I was like, no. And then, and then she goes, okay, so if you were going to go buy a purse, you go to Walmart, you're going to expect the quality to be cheap right. and you might not buy a purse because you're like, it's cheap. It's in a Walmart. Right. You go to like maybe Target or like some of these malls and you're going to like consider the quality. You're going to look at it. Is it worth it? Is it worth the price tag? Is it worth doing this? And you're going to, you're going to guess, right? Like you'll make a decision based on if you think the quality is worth it because you have so many other to compare it to. If you go to Louis Vuitton or Gucci, do you question the quality of the bag? Yeah, no. no. Do you question the price tag on it? No. Because you know that is a luxury. Yeah. 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 And you do. And I was like, I want to, I want to be the Louis Vuitton. That's what I want to do. And so I started thinking of myself that way. And that changed the game for me. Um, You know, it was a couple silent months of, I didn't have work at first, but then what I noticed, and I could actually like uh, in my metrics, even notice the difference too in the amount of proposals I was sending out and the return on people paying their retainers um, and booking that project with me um, significantly increased because of the fact that I started pricing myself correctly and I put it out there for people to see. Mm -hmm. And I quit having people price shop me. I quit having people reach out and then go, you know, maybe not. And it was because they knew that it was an investment and they were willing to save the money to pay for it. Um, I have payment options too. Like I have payment plans. Like I can, I can do that, you know, for the shoot that we did, I set up payment plans. um, And I started doing that and I started noticing just like the, the different clientele that was coming in and it was more serious. They were excited to be there. They didn't complain. Like they were happy. And I was like, Whoa, like what is this this is different and it changed the game and so like and I'll you know I I keep authenticity at the forefront I'll be the first to tell you last year was one of my most successful years that I've had so far I tripled my income from years past you know before I was only doing it part-time um I went from making 20,000 a year to um well 60,000 a year alone in that just that facet then I had the horse sales on top of that um, which, you know, added. And so like last year, it was like an $80,000 year for me. I mm-hmm. almost hit my hundred thousand mark. And I was so excited now that also doesn't cover the fact that I, we had a lot of other stuff going on. Um, we had horses getting injured and right. doing different things. I reinvested and bought three more horses after buying or selling one, you know, so yeah. you don't see that same return. And you have to realize that 
when people say like, Hey, I make six figures a year. That doesn't mean that they have six figures in the, their bank account right, at the end right. of the year. And that was something that was kind of a big like realization for me is like, don't get discouraged in that because that was really hard for me is, you know, at the end of the year, we ended up moving. Um, I had to pay a huge ass, sorry, no, you're good. a huge vet bill. Um, and, uh, we moved down to Arizona to move in with my parents until we could find housing because mm-hmm. we have six horses. So it's a yeah. lot harder to find housing with six Not horses. Not as easy, right? Um, so you see, I'm, I'm in my bedroom at my <laughs> house, um, doing this podcast. And so I think it's so funny because like my business grew significantly. I'm starting to get a little more recognition or people are knowing who I am. Um, they're coming to events that I was doing and that was so cool. But I also had one of my hardest years. I had new problems with like with this growth, you, you might overcome your little ones, but then you find bigger problems to deal with. And I think that's such a good point because I think, well, I know personally you and then Anna, because we've had this conversation, but it's almost like you feel like you're trying to work towards this huge goal. And then like, as you're getting there, you're realizing all of the other challenges that come with it that you were just not expecting. Like you think, oh, I'll do this. It'll be great. You know, life will be great. No, it's a grind to get there. And then like all of the things that come because of it, you just don't expect. Yeah. And you know, and I was so lucky last year, um, I had some great people that I um, met and I got to talk through a lot of this and actually helped me a lot mentally with a lot of this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, beginning of last year, we, we moved to a, a big ranch out in Laramie. It was rural though. And so my internet was options were limited. I tried out this one service. It worked for a hot minute and then it quit working and I was screwed over in some deal. Don't use nomad internet. I will put that PSA out there. Don't fall into the trap. Nomad and and Viasat. Viasat was my, my bad rural internet experience. (laughs) So I was like, okay, crap, here I am. I have no internet options. I had enough cell service to do cell stuff, but not enough to stream and do the stuff that Mm -hmm. I was doing. And, um, so I ended up having to go to town every day to work on a laptop that was going out because, uh, you know, it, it was old and whatnot. And I just, at the time, like, didn't have the money to invest in a new one. And, but what I loved about that is I got to know the owners of this, um, nutrition club that was in Laramie. And so they do teas and shakes. They're awesome. And what was great though, is I, um, I got to talk to them every day and and they got to know me as a person mm-hmm. but also the business side of it because they're running their own business and they had uh, had other stuff and they had so much life experience and um he actually helped me pick out a bunch of audiobooks that were good to read and that was actually helping me um audiobooks to read to listen to, to, listen to. Um, <laughs> I don't have time to read so I listen to books <laughs> right I end up driving a lot so I was listening to those and you know and that was something that helped me a ton because, you know, I was learning about how, you know, you, you have to stop and and find these smaller wins. You have to stop and take a step back and actually look for those challenges. And like he told me, he's like, I look for challenges. I look for struggles because that means if I can figure that out and I can overcome that, then, then I'm getting, I I find more success. I I find more things. So he's like, so don't take like new issues and new challenges so harshly because you have to look at the end goal. Like once you make it through that, you're going to have like a whole nother level of understanding. You're going to have a whole nother level that makes you more, um, um, of an expert in this field. And so I, you know, last year I really dove into brand photography. And so that's what I started wanting to do is I wanted to work with more brands. Right. Um, and it it has been a trial and error. And and, and to be honest, the biggest thing I've learned is there's no guidebook to this. There's no rule book to this. That's what I was exactly what I was going to ask you about is, I mean, I feel like what you do is so specialized and then even more so for like Western agriculture, because especially in Western agriculture, this is, we are, we are writing the book. I mean, there is no rules, no, nothing to go off of. And you can kind of use other industries as reference guides, but it's such its own unique thing that it's hard. So I was going to ask what, how have you 
um, work through that, I guess. Yeah. And, and this is, gosh, it, this has happened to me a lot when I was doing, um, when I first started in the rodeo side of things, I was trying to convince rodeo athletes that they needed to learn how to personally brand themselves and market right. themselves. And do you know how hard that was? <laughs> I'm you sure know? it was like pretty cats. <laughs> yes, they're, they're broke. And I mean, like, don't get me wrong. I was too, like, yeah. I get it. Like, but so I'm trying to like accommodate their price range, but at the same time, I'm providing them with like years of knowledge that right. I had built from going to school and right. from doing these things. And, and not just that, like listening to podcasts, like college may have taught me a few things, but it's what I did outside of college that I think really formed what I know. I, I started listening to people and outside of my industry. I mean, there, like you said, there's nobody in my industry necessarily that is doing exactly what I'm doing. Not right. saying that there aren't photographers out there working with brands right. um, and doing stuff like this, but not to the level that I was doing it at or not to the same beat of the same drum type of a right. thing. And, you know, we have Western influencers. Okay. That's great. And like, uh, you know, we, we think of the top of the Western influencer agency or area. We think of like Shaylee, uh-huh. um, who's doing phenomenal things, but I'll tell you, she also is taking inspiration from a completely different industry. Yep. She is, um, investing in herself and her time And I'm sure she's doing a lot of other things that I don't even know about, but like, you know, she had to do that too. And just like, she's figuring this out. I mean, when it comes to the photographer side of things there, you know, that was a whole nother, just different facet that I was trying to explore. I mean, like the first couple of years of being a photographer, I was just learning how to be a photographer. Right. Um, right. uh, That has been an overarching theme in my life is self-taught. Um, didn't go to school for this. Um, <laughs> so that was its own challenge. And then on top of that, now I'm diving into working with brands. Well, that's a different sector. You know, the closest thing is commercial photography. And so basically what I'm doing is a subsector of maybe commercial photography, but I don't call it that just for the fact that to me, I, if I think of commercial photography, I think of stale white backgrounds. Uh-huh. I think of just post products. Um, and what I wanted to do is I wanted to take these brands and showcase their products, but in action, right? So, you know, not that this is a new theme. I mean, Outback Trading Company, Schaefer, they've been doing this stuff for years. A lot of these brands have been doing that for years, right. but what they're doing is they're hiring photographers, telling them what they want, and those photographers produce it in that way. And most of the time they get a lot of success, but then, you know, you run into brands that they ask a photographer to do that. And then they don't like the work because um, they didn't have a photographer that knows that someone's jeans to high water jeans on these cowboy boots is not going to speak right. to these rodeo athletes, to these working ranch cowboys, because they want their jeans to stack. Right. Cash they might those little right. Yeah. They, they might want them a certain way. They're not going to notice when a hat's on backwards, uh-huh. um, you know, and I wanted to be that person that, when, you know, Victoria's Secret or somebody or Beyonce wants to do a photo shoot, you know, and, and have it have some more authentic Western vibes to it, they would call me because I guess I I wanted to get rid of the Hollywood stereotype. You know, I believe that cowboy is more than just a lifestyle though. I believe it's a character trait. So Mm -hmm. like, you know, I don't care if you want to dress cowboy or dress in cowgirl fashion and do all of that. And you've never set foot on a ranch. That's fine. I just want people to authentically present it in a better way so that it's not like the Daisy Dukes and, you know, tied up and and everybody thinking, I want to get rid of the stereotype that cowboys are stupid. Yeah. Um, and, and what's interesting is I didn't realize that was my goal at first, um, but it's become more so as I've built this brand and as I've, you know, with my fiance, um, he actually has been screwed over in a lot of different aspects because some guy out there didn't take him seriously. They thought that he was a dumb rodeo athlete. And so, hey, we're going to, you know, or a, a dumb cowboy. He's let's see how much we can get away with, right. you know, and we're dealing with all sorts of 
issues on that end and I'm like why is that and then I'm like that's because what holiday Hollywood has portrayed him as right so you know I want people to be able to embrace that you can be smart you can be a, a competent business owner you can be an actual athlete like if you look at the rodeo athletes these days and I don't think a lot of people get to see that side these guys have started taking it seriously and taking it to a new level. This, I mean, this is within the last five years. Oh yeah. They have started treating themselves like actual athletes. And I think the PBR has done a great job of helping with that Uh because of the way they've started, you know, you know, uh, showcasing them in a different public light, you know, and showcasing the cowboy side of it and what it is, but also paying them out more like we pay out normal athletes, you know, right. our football athletes are right. basketball. And, and I think if you want to be a professional and you want to grow in this industry, like we need to start taking ourselves seriously in this Western industry because we're behind, oh. <laughs> like we're so behind. So and- behind which is crazy because if you look at like the farming side of ag and things like that, we have some of the most unique technology. Yeah. I mean, we know a lot, like, I mean, we know so much practical knowledge, you know, that now when people are talking about wars and different things like that and survival, I mean, there's a lot of us that are out here like, Oh, I know how to make my own bread. Yeah. I have a whole freezer full of beef. Right. Oh, I have this. Oh, I have that. And it's like, why aren't we sharing these things? Because well, now people are concerned, you know? That's exactly. And I'm so glad you say that. And I'm always like, have said this from the beginning that, you know, agriculture and the Western industry is made up of people who are so unique and so hardworking and so determined and have so many great qualities, but we do a terrible job of telling our story. We yeah. do not do a good job. And so I think it's important to have people like you who understand the the true tradition and um, all of the things involved and the deep roots and all that, and then be able to tell that story through photography. I mean, I commend you because you do a beautiful, beautiful job, um, but also being able to to kind of share the truth of it and then like portray it in a way that is accurate too. Yeah. And, you know, and it's tough because I, I see these wonderful women out there um, that are trying to do that because they see the need, you know, they see this um, need of trying to bridge this gap, you know, between uh, the Western industry and the rest of the world. And they're, they're trying to combat these issues that we're seeing in the ag industry and that we feel so strongly about, but they're, and they're trying to go about doing it a better way. And then you go through the comments and you go through all these people and you see people in our own industry that are our worst critics and are our worst nightmare when it comes to it. And it's like, you want to talk about your industry being accepted. You have to start being more accepting. Like right. it starts with you. Right. It starts with you being that person to say, this guy behind me, I love one of my favorite things at rodeos is if I'm sitting there and if I have someone around me, um, I've been to like college rodeos where I had a whole frat section of kids sitting next to me and they're just like, yeah, dude, I got no idea what's going on. I don't know why they're out there wrestling that cow. Yeah. And it, you know, and so I will be that person that when I'm at a radio, I'll be like, Hey, can I tell you about this? Like, yeah. Hey, can I tell you about this? And this might be the rodeo queen side of me that comes out because I, I was taught a lot of that, but also to me, that's the important side of our industry. You know, um, I got after my own fiance for this because when I told him I used to be a rodeo queen, he was like, Oh, you were one of those girls. And I was like, Cody, I said, first of all, <laughs> do you want to sit after the rodeo and explain to all of these people why your sport should still be here? Why, you know, like they, why, what you do is not abusive. Why, what you do is not a thing. He's like, well, no, not really. And I'm like, yeah, well, those girls will though. Yeah. You know, like, I'm like, there's somebody out there that's doing that. I said, did you enjoy getting paid when, you know, when you won? And he, well, yeah, that was nice. Like, yeah, do you know who pays those bills? I'm like, yeah. it's butts and seats. Yeah. Like, and so if we need these butts and seats, we need these people buying cowboy boots and cowboy hats. I don't care how they wear them. Right. I don't care if they if they want to go out there and slap on a mini skirt and do that. I'm not gonna do that because that's not my style. But right. if they want to go do that, like more power to them. 
that supports my friend that's a boutique owner. That right. supports my friend that went, you know, won the rodeo. Right. That supports whatever. And it's like, as a Western industry as a whole, we have got to change how we talk to people and how we love people and how we talk about people. You know, and you can't, if you're, if you want to call someone an idiot, you need to ask yourself first, why? You know, like, why do they not know that? Like, right. these kids have never, a lot of these guys have never left a square block around their house and school and, you know, gone anywhere. They haven't gotten to travel the world. They haven't gotten to do uh, a lot of these things that these guys have got, well, guys and girls. Right, the unique opportunities and, yeah. Yeah. And in and, and, and the, and the female side of this entrepreneur part, the one thing that will irritate me, you know, as a photographer, um, I work with a lot of um, models, Western influencers, people that aren't. And frankly, I enjoy working with the people that aren't influencers more than I do the ones that are. There's a lot of wonderful influencers. I'm not bashing yeah. all influencers and stuff like that. Um, however, there's so much cattiness. There is so much crap that gets thrown around and, and I hear it all. Yeah. I, I almost can't not hear it all you know, uh, have you heard about this person? And here's the thing. I'll appreciate the warning on the business side of things. If someone's like, Hey, just make sure this person pays or whatever, because as a business owner, you're just kind of like, yeah, okay. But at the same time, I'm going to wait and I'm going to make that decision on my own. Like I'm going to wait and give that person the opportunity to, uh, you know, be a decent human and, and have a good experience, you know, and I've had people that have, warn me about certain people. And then I'm like, I love them. Yeah. They're fine. Like you might be mad or, you know, you might be clashing personalities and that's fine. You don't have to, but like, if you can't be a professional in this industry, like, I'm sorry, you shouldn't be in it because you're here to do a job and you're here to represent a brand and whether or not that brand is, uh, you know, like if, if you don't like a brand, don't work with them. If you don't like a certain style, don't, don't get into it yeah, because you're ultimately it. not going to be happy with the end result anyway, you right. know? Well, and kind of going back to your whole branding thing in the beginning too, I mean, that's all contributing to your personal brand, right? So if you're selling yourself as something that you're not, then, yeah. I mean, personally, I went through that with my own stuff. I was like really focused on the Western fashion stuff. And I realized this is not me. Like I can't keep up with this. And so once that shift kind of happened personally, I realized like, oh my gosh, like these are the people I want to be connecting with. So, um, but yeah, I think within the industry, there's um, kind of a vicious cycle of that is what I've noticed. Yeah. And it needs to stop ultimately. And, and the, like, I'm not going to say that I haven't been guilty of it. You know, I mean, that's, human nature, women especially have this tendency to like to talk and like to say stuff. And, and I've bit my own tongue before where I'm like, no, you know what? Like, no, yeah, we're not going to go into this. We're not going to do this. And I try to keep it that way when I work with people and I tell new models that come in all the time. I said, like, if you can't work well with other people, if you can't, um, listen and take instruction, then just don't bother. Like don't bother coming in. Like that is where I kind of will draw that line because it's like, you know, at the end of the day, I have a brand that I'm representing and that I'm working for and working with. And if you can't represent yourself well, and if you can't represent my brand, well, I don't want to work with you. Um, and I haven't had to do that much because I feel like my brand that I've built aligns with a lot of people Mm -hmm. and they like that. I put authenticity at the forefront of things, you know, right. and I, I put that, and I'm not saying authenticity, like, well, this is what a traditional cowboy is like necessarily. I'm, I'm talking authenticity in whatever you are representing as yourself, right. you know? Um, and there's so many amazing ladies out there doing that and taking that and making that their own. And I think if I could tell anybody, anything, don't try to be someone else, try to be yourself and make yourself and like, work that in and I love seeing that with new influencers coming out and just finding their niche and doing stuff and you know if if you want to dress a certain way and then maybe it's not the most traditional like do it do it like do something that makes you unique but also realize that to be in this industry you don't have to be a fashion influencer you don't like you don't have to be um 
you know, the best dressed when you get somewhere. You don't have to be the best horseman, but you do need to speak well for the industry as a whole, because even if like for me, I do not know a whole lot about farming. Uh I know about enough to get me in trouble. I know about enough to keep me alive, (laughs) but, but I don't know a whole lot about farming. I wasn't raised in farm country. Um, I learned that stuff in college. I did have a lot of ag classes that taught me a lot of that. Um, but I don't know a whole lot about it, but I know enough to tell you who to go talk to. I know enough to tell you where to go and what to do. And I I know enough to, to not tell you something false. You know, if I don't understand something like, shoot, I'll give you a better resource Mm -hmm. than will. Um, you know, because it doesn't matter what kind of a cowboy or a cowgirl, you're still representing this industry as a whole. And that's the part that I've been trying very hard to, you know, um, in my own brand to represent, because like, for me, I don't want every woman out there to be sexualized. They don't, that's just not my brand. Now there's some amazing photographers out there that, you know, produce some great Western content, but I've just noticed that every model that they have is the same build, the same, um, skimpy clothing. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that because it's beautiful photography. It's just not mine. Right. Right. I, I have, I, I like the classier side of things. I like to go a little more editorial. I like to showcase this cool westerny badass side of this industry and make people feel like they're doing something cool and like they have a unique um something unique about them that they can contribute and they can feel beautiful in their own skin uh-huh. and not feel like they have to be somebody else and and do that and And I see it so much as a photographer and I'm guilty of it myself. I mean, you don't see me behind a camera as often or in front of a camera lens as often, just because personally, I'm not as comfortable in front of it. Um, I'm learning, I'm I'm getting there and maybe one day we'll feel a little more comfortable, but I don't have a desire to be an influencer. I just want to show up so people know who I am. Exactly. And I want to have photos of myself. I tell people all the time, like, you know, I I do miss the fact that I don't have photos of me at certain ages and certain times because I live by myself. So if I can tell you anything, if you have to set up your own camera and take your own selfies so you can show your kids down the road or something like so that at least you have that, like, regardless of if you like your weight, regardless of if you like your style choices, like take all of that out that is a part of your story that one day you're going to want to share, even though it may not be where you want to be right now. Like, I mean, there's so much stuff that I wanted to do differently and I want to showcase and I decorate my house differently than my mom. I love her, but that's my style, you know? And it's like, you don't need to wait until you have the perfect house. You don't need to wait until you have the perfect clothes. You don't need to wait for all of that. Like you just need to start embracing it now and start showing up more authentically. I think, um, I think people like that. Like I've noticed a huge growth just on my own, you know, following and people coming in just for the fact that I feel like they're sick of seeing all the perfection all the time. Like my feed still has a lot of really cool photos, right? you know, if you watch my reels and other stuff, like I'll be the first to tell you that things aren't always what they seem. They're not always as great. Um, And we say that a lot, but I don't think all of us believe it. Right. No, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Nope. I agree. I think that was a a very important part and kind of a a great segue into like, as far as if you had to give someone advice um, and maybe, okay, so this is, I'm going to rephrase that a little bit. So if you have to give, or if you were to give someone um, advice, who's kind of wanting to come into this space, what would you tell them um, based off of kind of your experiences and all of the things that you've kind of encountered so far? Yeah. Um, Do it. Like, don't let other people intimidate you. Um, There is no pioneers in this industry that set you up that like, you know, there's a lot of people that will claim that, you know, oh, well, I was here first. It doesn't freaking matter. It doesn't matter. I mean, there's been people taking photos of, of people in the Western fashion industry since Rockies were around. I mean, you're not the first, Um, but also just know that it's not about the number of followers. Uh, I have to tell myself this all the time because half the time I'm like, 
I just, I just need the legitimacy of the make me feel better. And I'm like, no, but first of all, one thing that always helped me on this is a little side note, look at the number of followers that you have and picture that many people in a room. Yeah. Me, that gives me social anxiety because (laughs) I want to talk to 3000 people, but like, you know, um, that's still a lot of people. Yeah. 50 people in a room is a lot of people. Right. Don't look at the number of followers. It, it has nothing to do with anything. Like, well, and you can still make a big impact even if there's just, yeah. you know, 50. Who cares? Well, shoot. Yeah. I just realized the number of followers I have is like 3,000 something the other day. And within the last three months, though, I've reached like over 95,000 accounts. And I'm like, yeah. I don't know how. Like, yeah. you know, it's just crazy how that works. So it's like the number of followers doesn't really matter. Right. Um, But I would say find, you know, find people that inspire you, find people to follow that inspire you, find, um, go out there and experiment. Uh, you know, if you can find someone to mentor from, do do it. Like, I mean, that's always a great thing too. Um, but like play with different styles. You're not going to find your style right off the bat. Try different things. Um, I photographed almost everything except for newborns. Um, I'm just too afraid of hurting them. (laughs) So that's what I stayed away from. And then eventually niche down. Um, I used to hate that, that people would tell me to niche down because I'm kind of a jack of all trades. Uh Um, and so I, I, I hated when people are like, we have to niche. And it's like, niching is not necessarily about, you can't ever do anything else. It's just, you need to build your expertise in a certain area. It helps people. They need to know like, who do I call when I need brand photography advice? Well, I hope you call me because you know, that's, and so if you have to convince yourself to, um, for a long time in my bio, I actually had to change it because I had to take out a couple letters to add something else. But, um, I had the Western industry's top brand photographer. Has anybody ever given me that title? No, No. I'm not saying that I am. What I'm saying is I said that to convince myself, right? I am the brand photographer that I want them to think that I'm who the, and and it wasn't for everybody else. That was for me. Mm -hmm. That was for me to say is like, I am the Western industry's brand photographer. Um, I took out top now because I was like, it doesn't matter. I'm just the Western industry's brand photographer. Right. Um, because I've committed to not just working with brands and doing it on a consistent basis. So I have the experience and the expertise in it but also so that I can help other photographers get into this because I've seen, I've seen people want to, but just not know how. And, and some of them have messaged me. Some of them have asked me because they know I work with brands on a consistent basis, but also there's a lot of them out there that just don't know how. And actually it's going to help me more when there's more people holding up these standards, making sure brands follow through on contracts, making sure that they're getting paid enough, making sure that things are licensed properly and they're not getting screwed over because they said hashtag yes to Wrangler, Uh you know, on a photo. And the thing is, is because of the way that the influencer market got saturated very quickly. And I came in at a much later time than a lot of these influencers that started in the industry. Um, I, I didn't have that following built up. And so I I had to start from scratch. I had to start there and I, I did it. And I was able to build those relationships because of who I am and because I showed up in my way authentically. And so as getting into this, you know, if you, you don't have to try to go out and do what I'm doing. Right do better than what I'm doing. Like go out there and find a niche though, that works for you. Find an editing style, play around. You don't have to stick to one certain preset all the time. Like go and find what you like. Um, for a while I, and if people pay attention now, they're going to know, um, my editing style is reflected based on my current emotions. Yeah. Sometimes I feel very dark and moody and very like you know when I was a little depressed my editing got very dark Dark, yeah and it looked really cool right but that was also very much a direct reflection of how I was feeling right I had some moments where it went really more light and not quite light and airy but it was a lot lighter and brighter than what it ever was and that was when I was really happy and now I'm just finding a different balance and now I'm editing more so on what I think my brand means versus 
how I feel. Um, but, um, but it, it was all about experimenting and it was all about finding where I belonged and not worrying about what everybody else is doing. Um, just like Linda was saying in your last podcast, when you're blazing trails and doing these things, when you're the first in your industry to create some sort of a guide or a reference for other people, you have to be willing to fail. You have to be willing to say this worked and this didn't work and that's okay. And like, you know, and right now, um, I just created like a free or not a free goodness. It's like a $32 digital guide though, to brand photography. And it's a very introductory guide. It's probably not going to guarantee you a brand deal right off the bat, but it helps people get into it. And I created that more. So just for the fact that I wish I had something, I wish somebody could tell me like, you need to focus on this. You should have these tools. You need to make sure you have contracts. You need to make sure you have all this stuff because if not, you're going to have to learn how I did, which was the hard way. And it takes a lot longer that way. Mm -hmm. And if I can set you up to be a little more successful, it actually helps me in the long run. Like selfishly, if more people start doing what I do, these brands are going to quit looking at me and be like, well, Joe Schmo down the road does my photos for free and buys my products. And I'm like, well, Joe Schmo's not paying his bills. So (laughs) leave me alone. Like, no, that's a great point though. So, you know, I think the biggest thing I could say is, first of all, find what you're passionate about. If you love horses, find a way to work with horses. You know, if you love ag and you want to talk more about how ag is not bad, then go and find your pedestal, find your platform and, Uh and, and take inspiration from outside of our industry, because, you know, um, it's not copying it's, it's inspiration. You know, you don't need to go out there and do exactly what someone else is doing, but take that inspiration. If, if you're feeling like you can't be creative or you're not that creative, it's okay to get inspiration. Use Pinterest, use whatever you need to get yourself in that creative mode, um, and make it yours and make it different. It doesn't have to be better. It just has to be yours. It has to be different. And so, like I tell people to get creative, go out and do stuff, do shoots for you. Don't worry about doing them for brands all the time. Like some of my best work was actually stuff that I did in 15 minutes and I was playing around with a camera and I just got creative. Yeah. Um, so I think don't feel like there is an actual guide to doing this. Um, I'm trying to create some just to help people, but this is like, and if you're the first in whatever your industry is, like even outside of brand photography and stuff like that, like don't give up the first time you failed. Don't give up the first time things didn't work out. Don't give up on that. Because if you look at the most successful people out there, they, they, most of them didn't have college degrees, didn't know what they were doing, lived in their parents' garages, um, failed numerous times before they were successful you just have to realize you're in the failing part of your journey and your story and like picture your life as a book. This is the, this is the meat of it. This is the part that inspires people. This is the part that, you know, uh, if, if you're young, like you got a lot to learn, you got a lot to work out. I used to think I knew it all too. Oh, you can see my dog. (laughs) Um, you know, and you're going to hear it from so many people that while well, you are young and you don't know anything, that's, that's not true. You just are young and you have so much time to take in more and learn more and like, don't give up on those passions and those dreams. You know, I used to get told, well, this has been done this way for this long and it works. Yeah, maybe, but what does it mean? It could use some improvement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, take everything with a grain of salt. Don't let people shut, you know, turn everything down just because it hasn't been done before or because someone's nervous. Like you're always going to find resistance to change. Um, even from your family. Um, that was one thing I had to learn. I have the most supportive family. They're awesome. Um, however, they don't know anything about my industry. They don't know anything about what I'm doing. And I still ask my mom and dad for help on certain things, but I don't ask them how to do what I'm doing because they, they don't know. know. Yep. You're the expert there. Yeah. And you know, I 
I'll go ask somebody outside of my industry though, that maybe has done something similar. Like, how are you doing this? How are you creating that? Like what has worked for you? Um, invest in yourself. Self-development is key. If you are not listening to audiobooks, if you're not going to a gym just for 20 minutes or not even going to a gym, if you can't even afford the gym. Cause I'm about to start riding my horse to the gym <laughs> at this point. Right. Bed suit here. Um, <laughs> but like get outside, go, um, go for a hike, go do something, get your brain moving. Uh, just for the fact that it helps the mental side of this, you know, being an entrepreneur, doing this stuff, you're going to get so much feedback and you're going to get so much crap from so many people. And it's, you just have to realize that a lot of people have never done what you're doing and change scares the crap out of them. Um, and they want you to be comfortable and be kind of stagnant, you know, work your nine to five, get your paycheck, pay your rent on time. Um, and I'm telling you, if you really want to be an entrepreneur, you're probably going to be very broke for a very long time. And then you're going to find some success and pick up some speed. And um, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> yeah, there is. And you utilize your resources. Oh, your network is your best asset. I have, um, I, it, I don't have a whole lot of money to invest in a financial advisor, um, but I have a friend that I went to in college that's a financial advisor that needs some marketing help. So I trade. Uh-huh. You know, I, I do stuff like that. I, I find trade deals that are mutually beneficial. Yeah. Don't ever give your way your work for free. Yeah. Um, you are even, even if you're just starting out, your time is valuable. It's the most valuable asset you have. Don't give yourself away. And so I guess that's like a whole bunch of stuff. I wish I would have known or stuff. I wish I would have listened to, um, when I first started out, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Kenzie, thank you. I think that um, our conversation today has been very unique, I think, from some of my other episodes, just because of kind of your transformation and like realization of what mattered to you is very unique, obviously, to you because it's your story. Um, but thank you so much for joining me. I have enjoyed learning a lot more about you. We were obviously not able to capture all of that on the bus in Vegas, <laughs> but <laughs> we just shove it all into one. Right. <laughs> It's perfect. Perfect. Um, but thank you so much. And if you are listening or watching, I hope you enjoyed. Um, and as always, I will leave all of Kinsey's information in the description. Yeah. Thank you guys. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Ag Chicks. Don't forget to follow along on social media at Ag Chicks on Instagram and Facebook. And that every episode has a visual version on YouTube on the Ag Chicks channel.